Truer Alone, Part 2 As time goes on from the day you're born, waking up feels like it gets more and more exhausting. Going from having the purest of heart and mind to enduring life and growing pains. Thoughts will keep you up at night. Regrets about what you did or didn't do. Are the conditions of your life actually influenced by your implicit intentions? Do the people in your life really care about you? Or are you just naive and desperate, settling for anything that feels like lukewarm compassion? I hope I dream of this thing tonight. Then you doze off. The sleep isn't long enough, though. It never is. Isn't it supposed to be a recharge? Why does it feel so draining waking up then? Three or four alarm settings every morning because you know you can't be trusted with just one. It's like each one knocks you out of your slumber and eases or drags you back into consciousness. It makes sense, but it's still strange how emotional pain can affect the body physically. Heartbreak is the betrayal of a deception presented as reality. To say it sucks is an understatement. The whole thing sucks. Everything that comes after it, feeling life crumble, trying to pick up the pieces as they fall and all the ones that have already fallen, watching yourself fail in the struggle. Reliance is trust. When you love someone, you give them that trust, even when you have doubts. Because what if those doubts that you think are your intuition trying to wake you up are actually just insecurities toying with your mind? Then the love between you and another is a security that you should utilize. What if this and I feel that? Or it seems like something. It's too hard to assess because what if your judgment is clouded by the insecurities you have with yourself and how worthy or unworthy of you feel of anything and projecting that onto the people around you? Then that one person comes along, grabs you by the face, two hands, one on each cheek, and says, I love you. It's not compelling, but it's so convincing. It's an instance where a person who was once a stranger proves their self to be worthy of that trust. And they keep proving their self. And the gaps where you feel you can't trust yourself, you fill with the trust you have in them. There he is, barely awake and clinging to the minutes as they pass at their own pace. Samuel lays in bed wishing he was asleep still. Time to get up and do the damn thing. Samuel was sinking deep. On the days he didn't work, he didn't get out of bed until the afternoon. Even on the days he did work, he struggled to stick to his routine. 
he scuffed his feet down the hall to the kitchen. Shoot. He forgot to go to the bathroom. Then he went to brush his teeth. Wait. But he likes to eat before he brushes. Back to the kitchen. Eggs over easy and some TV for breakfast. He only watches TV when he eats, so about 20 minutes at a time. He'd been intermittently binging Batman vs. Superman for the past week and a half. Now there's a guy. Batman. Bruce Wayne. Alone by choice, aside from having his butler, of course. Forever guarding himself from people. Must be easier when you have all that money. Being lonely. Was that going to be Samuel's future? Poor, alone, and working himself to death? Batman chooses loneliness. Samuel felt his life was being chosen for him. Is that what destiny is, though? When no matter what direction you try to make life bend for you, it holds tight to its own current? Shit. No clean clothes for work. The laundry was starting to pile on. He was going to have to hand wash a shirt and some pants really quick and hope the dryer would have them done by the time he got out of the shower. He wasn't accepting it was over. He was still treating it like there was a chance. Maybe this was just a rough patch. They say love is something you have to work at. That just doesn't make enough sense for everything, though. If two people are compatible and continuing to work at bettering themselves as individuals, is love really work, then? Is there really sacrifice? Does any bending really feel like compromise? He couldn't identify any red flags about her, even still. He considered them to be quirks or things she just couldn't help with herself. Like the way she claims she loves coffee, but can never finish a whole cup. And the way the last cup she drank before she left to stay with her friend was still sitting on top of her dresser. Which is, without question, disgusting that it was still there. But something that he could almost giggle at. Because it was something he loved her for. Not despite, but in spite. Loving someone for all their flaws, because he had always hoped for someone who loved him in spite of his. Because there is a difference between someone ignoring your less desirable traits and someone seeing them and loving you through them. He loved her through her struggle with ADHD and the overwhelming feeling she had doing homework, studying, doing chores, or anything at all. She worked better if she had help or if he was just there. He understood the larger the task, the more difficult it was to figure out where to begin. He didn't just help her though. Especially more recently, he did most of it for her. He would come home from working all day and end up doing her homework for her, doing everything around the house, staying up really late just to get it all done. Even when she had the time to do it on the weekends, he would ask if she had any studying or homework to do, and she would downplay what she was supposed to get done 
or deny having anything at all. Was it sacrifice? It didn't feel like compromise. He knew he was in love with her. The few hours he was home with her every night, the past six years even, she made him feel as though she was in love with him too. Was it sacrifice on his part, even if he couldn't recognize it? Everything that was hers was just as she had left it. He needed to catch back up on laundry. Maybe it was time to straighten up around the house too. If she came back and saw how clean it was, how well he was doing, maybe she would want to stay. Maybe she just needed to get away for some clarity, a breath of fresh air. Samuel's clothes came out of the dryer, crisp and warm, smelling like his fabric softener, which felt especially nice stepping out into the garage in the brisk spring air. He pulled down the street and took a sip of coffee out of his large Yeti. He could see his breath in the air as he blew out from his mouth from the coffee slightly burning his tongue. Driving in silence once again. No music, just loud thoughts. He wasn't crying, though. This was a first, but he was still depressed. He tried not to drink too much of his coffee the rest of the way. He had a 10-hour workday ahead of him. He wanted something to enjoy while he had to be there. His phone lit up. It was an Instagram post she sent to him about an ongoing celebrity couple's trial. He couldn't read all what it said, but it gave him an idea. If he wasn't going to listen to music on the way, maybe he could listen to the trial live on YouTube. Delaney interrupted the broadcast with a phone call. Hello? Samuel answered. Hey, how are you doing? She asked in her sweet, soft voice. Are you on your way to work? Yeah, he responded, trying not to sound sad, but also not too excited that she called either. I was just listening to the trial after you sent me that post. Yeah, isn't it crazy? She said. She was talking to him as if nothing was different. Maybe she still considered him her best friend, or maybe the time away was really helping. She continued, I was watching a bunch of TikToks about it, and people are pointing out like her body language and her facial expressions, and like different things of how she's lying, and oh my gosh, the things she's done supposedly. She's crazy. Yeah, I heard about the one thing. <laughs> That's disgusting, Samuel added. What all are you up to today? Oh, I'm just at home alone, she replied. Sarah's at work. That wordplay, mentioning she was alone, but at home. Home isn't a word one uses for a temporary place of stay. Delaney mentioned before about moving to live with Sarah once they split. I guess she was sticking to her decision. Samuel was getting emotional again. He did not want to let her hear that over the phone. All right, well, um, I'm pulling into work now. He was lying. Okay, I'll let you go, she said, sounding sincere. I hope you guys are really busy and you make lots of money. Thanks. I hope you have a nice relaxing day, too. Samuel replied, and he hung up. This was going to be too tough. She wasn't in love with him, didn't want to be married to him. 
but continued to send him a bunch of Instagram posts, memes, and TikToks every day. Maybe she was holding on because even though she was the one breaking it off, this split was hard for her too. It just made the relationality moving forward confusing. Samuel always thought the reason their relationship was so good was because they were best friends. He didn't consider her as such anymore, but he could not stop being in love with her, even if she broke his heart. Samuel hated how his heartbreak was affecting his mood at work, with his co-workers, with his customers. He wanted to enjoy going to work again. He couldn't just make the decision to be happy again, but if he wanted things to be different, he had to make a change. Like they say, fake it till you make it. He hated the idea of being unauthentic, but he missed having a good time. The job sucks if you allow it to. He was getting into character for his customers regularly. He was going to have to do the same just to be around people as himself, as the Samuel they knew him to be. Better weather, business was going to start picking up. Everyone's shifts start a half hour before the restaurant opens. It's just the right amount of time to get everything turned on and set up for the day. Samuel pulls into the restaurant's driveway. He's usually one of the first to arrive at work, and he knows everyone's cars. But there are already three other cars in the parking lot, and three elderly women walking around the outside of the building, scanning the walls as if they were at an art gallery. I mean, a roof, windows, siding, and shingles seem pretty ordinary, but to each their own. Samuel gets out of his car with his Yeti in one hand, and a grocery bag in the other he uses to carry his apron, tuna cans, and phone charger. The old ladies stand in front of the door and stare at him as he approaches. <laughs> he looks off to the side, trying to avoid the awkward exchange of eye contact, only to succumb to staring at his feet as he gets closer. Hi! one of them says with a cringe smile. Are you open? The time was 11.15, and aside from the maintenance man, he was the first one there. Um, no, we actually don't open until noon. There's no one else actually here yet. Oh, is it because nobody wants to work right now? The lady said as they all giggled together. These post-quarantine jokes really never were funny. Can we just go ahead and sit anywhere? Samuel was not mentally prepared to deal with this self-acclaimed comedian, but he was annoyed already. Actually, if you want to follow me inside, we can get you situated from there. He reminded himself he wasn't actually on the clock yet and needed to punch in. Oh, sure, she said excitedly. He went to a computer at the service station and clocked in. All right, he said in a sigh. There's going to be 12 of us, she said ambitiously. Okay, um, do you have a reservation? he asked. She laughed at him with a sour and confused look. It doesn't look like we need one, she said as she looked around the vacant dining room. He ignored her sarcasm. Would you like to be inside or outside? Oh, I don't know. Girls, she said, turning to her friends. What would you like? What was the question? one of them asked. Do we want to be inside or outside? she inquired. Oh, I don't know, one said, putting her hand over her mouth, looking concerned as if she'd been asked a million-dollar question. It's pretty out. Let's go outside, 
Samuel gathered 12 menus as they discussed their game plan. Okay, right this way, ladies, he said before guiding them to a long table outside of the patio. He placed the menus stacked on the middle of the table. Here you are. We'll take a pitcher of water with 12 cups, she said, as if he'd already forgotten how many there were. And a bottle of Pinot Noir. I'm sorry, ma'am, but we actually do not carry a Pinot Noir, he informed her. Oh, I'm sure you do. I've had Pinot Noir here before, she returned. Samuel had been working here a few years and had gotten asked for a Pinot Noir before, and had been told they specifically had never carried a Pinot Noir. He wasn't sure how to respond to this lady speaking so sure of herself, and he hesitated. Uh, why don't you just come back and ask your boss when he comes, she said, waving him off. The joke was on her because his bosses were women. He walked away shrugging off the generational ignorance, assuming a man was in charge, and went back inside to turn all the lights and the radio on. His manager walked in the bar behind him. Showtime. Time to get into regular Samuel character. Hey, she said. How you doing? He said, sounding like Joey from Friends. It was their usual banter with each other. Her face lit up. How you doing? She repeated back. It's going to be a good day, he declared, smiling with his fists on his hips. Oh, she said. I like that. He went around and got everything set up that he had and the other servers would need for the day. He stood behind the server station, reading the Instagram post Delaney had sent him which then prompted him to look through his profile at all his posts. Pictures of him and her together. He'd been stuck on that lately, especially his favorite photo from their wedding, where he had her around the waist and she had her hands on his face and they were staring into each other's eyes. The further she pulled away, the more he was feeling embarrassed about the day she broke his heart. As mentioned before, he didn't cry when she told him, but she did. She didn't express remorse as much as she did self-pity and the fear of her ending up alone the rest of her life. The night it happened, Samuel went for a drive to call his dad, who didn't answer at first. So he tried calling his brother, who also didn't answer, but was followed with an incoming call from his dad. Samuel bawled his eyes out over the phone, describing the situation to him, until an incoming call from his brother interrupted, and he started all over again to fill them both in together on what was happening. Samuel drove around all over town, pouring his heart out about Delaney for hours, and they stayed on the line the whole time until Samuel returned home safely for the evening. Samuel parked in the driveway. Their garage was only big enough for one car, so that was her spot. He opened and shut the garage door and went inside. She was playing video games online in the living room. He didn't want to interrupt. He didn't want her to see his face. He couldn't walk to the bedroom without being noticed by her, and even then, he didn't feel right sleeping in the same bed as her. He suddenly fell out of place in his own home. He went down to the laundry room, took a clean towel out of the dryer, and laid on the shag carpet rug on the floor in front to try and sleep for the night. About a half hour later, Delaney came down to find Samuel 
lying awake on the floor with puffy eyes and water all around them. She said nothing and placed her hand on him to shake him to get his attention. He rolled over and looked at her. She lifted his arm as if to gesture, trying to help him up. Samuel got up and looked down into her eyes as she was shorter than him. His nose was swollen too and he was mouth breathing. He wrapped his arms around her and hugged her tight. She put her arms around him, but not as tightly though, but feeling more like they were hugging because she was allowing it. He embraced this person who looked like the girl he had fallen in love with, what felt like so long ago and just last year all at once, who was now becoming a stranger. You can come to bed, she said. I don't, I don't have to if it's, he began leaving his thought unfinished. I can sleep on the couch. It's okay, she said. You should be comfortable too. Except he didn't lay comfortably in bed. He could not join her in the capacity to fall asleep. Samuel could tell Delaney was really asleep by the way she was breathing. He went out to the living room, scrolling through his Facebook, trying to search for more of their wedding photos and the video of the actual ceremony. She insisted on coming up with their own vows on the spot. He watched her part over and over, trying to make sense of it all. It all sounded like love. It looked like love. It felt like love. It was beginning to seem more and more like the girl in the video and the girl laying in their bed were not the same person. He did not have to work the next day, which was fortunate for him because he did not sleep at all that night. In the morning, he left the house and went for a walk to call his mom. He couldn't tell her the night before because she was sleeping. What? His mother exclaimed. I can't lose her like this. He began to weep. Do you want to let her go, or do you want to fight to keep her? She asked. Of course I want to keep her, he said. Okay, then here's what you're going to do, she began. She told him to come over so she could give him a fresh haircut. She gave him a gift certificate to a high-end restaurant in town that would definitely have been out of his budget otherwise. His mother, who really was pissed at Delaney, helped him to devise a plan for a nice night out to try and woo her over to remind her of how in love they were together. Delaney had left to go to her internship in the morning when Samuel had left for his walk. When she returned home, he stood in the kitchen to greet her and ask her how her day was, hoping she was taking notice of how he had dressed up to try to look nice for her. So, I was wondering if you'd like to go get a bite to eat with me, he asked. Samuel, stop. I don't want to go on a date with you, she replied, looking annoyed already. She walked past him to go to the living room to sit and take off her shoes. No, it doesn't have to be a date, he began. Then what would it be, she asserted. You're wearing your ring. She wasn't wearing hers. Look, 
I'm in love with you. I'm definite in that. I always have been, he professed. Just then, she turned around and rolled her eyes, rubbing her hands down her face. We don't have to rush back into love, but I don't want to rush out of it, he said, getting down on his knee as if to prove his loyalty to the vows they took for each other. She turned around, immediately provoked by the sight of him begging. No, please, stop, don't do this to me, please, she scolded at him. Why do you still love me? she asked rhetorically. I could never stop loving you, Delaney, he said in a light and shaky voice. You, you're my world. Stop, I can't take this, she said. You don't understand. This isn't normal. What's not normal? He asked. How I'm not attracted to you. How I'm not in love with you. She answered sternly. What do you... What do you mean you're not attracted to me? He questioned. It means what it is. She replied. I don't feel things for you. About you. Like someone should towards the romantic partner, Samuel. This was confusing to him because, romantically, well, let's just say satisfaction was definitely in her favor. How can you just say that now? We're like uber affection. We always have been like that, he stated. That's the thing, Samuel, she began her rebuttal. I have always felt this way. What? He said. This was hitting hard. I mean, not for like the first year we were dating, but after that I did. And I tried telling myself, no, you don't really feel this way. You do have feelings for him. You are attracted to him. And they went away. But then they came back before the wedding and I tried telling myself again because I, I really wanted it to be you. I wanted all the things we dreamed of together, and I, and I love your family. But I can't feel things that aren't there. I can't just... She left her thought unfinished as she got distracted by the heartbreak portrayed on his face. She was unsympathetic, though. She just continued to be annoyed. I can't feel things for you that aren't there. You knew even before the wedding, and you still got married to me? He began. But you said, you said yes before I could even get on my knee. Samuel, she said to keep his attention and keep him from continuing. This is too much. I, I don't know how you're not getting it. It doesn't matter anyway, because you're not here. Whatever she followed with next was sure to hurt after that statement. You said we're going to have a family. When is that going to be? I, I just feel like we can't right now, he responded. I'm always working and you're not graduated yet. I, I think we're not there financially. And our insurance doesn't cover maternity. If we're going to start a family, I, I want to be around, he said. Then when will the money we have be enough? People say you're never financially prepared. And that's the thing, too. You're never here. I feel like you don't understand how lonely I am. That's why I begged for so long to get Ivy. 
Ivy is her first cat's name. Delaney began to cry, but with an angry face as she glared at him. I was alone, and I had to beg. I'm not who I used to be. I used to be so happy and carefree. She continued to weep. I miss that girl, she said, with her expression changing as she began to cry harder. He felt so ashamed. He really thought he was being a good husband, a good provider while she finished out school, her best friend. He wanted to just use this as a wake-up call to be better. From the way it was sounding, the problem began with him. He took everything she was saying seriously, and it was making sense to him as well. If the problem or problems stemmed from him, he had a way better chance at fixing them. Please, he began, I can change. Allow me the chance to make myself better. I'm in love with you, and I don't want to continue letting you down. Samuel, she said, leaving for a pause. We're done. He scanned her face. She meant every word. He believed her, even if he didn't like it. Who knew such sharp daggers of words stabbing at his heart could come from such a beautiful face with voluminous curly hair to frame it. They didn't go out that night. They didn't eat dinner, but rather snacked on whatever was in the house. He laid in the bed alongside her, but under a different blanket and only on the very edge of his side. Hello, Stinky, a voice said, snapping at him out of his daydream. It was one of the girls from the kitchen, Caroline. It was getting especially hard to be in a sad mood around the kitchen crew. They were always upbeat, goofing off, and having a good time. <laughs> Hello, poo-poo face, he replied, matching the sophisticated intellectual exchange. Oh, you think I'm handsome? She said, giggling. That was it. That was the tone he was going to match and try to elevate in everyone else and her. If he could keep them all goofy and chipper, they could return that energy and keep him in that vibe too. He went back out to the service station to wait until the restaurant opened to catch the table of 12, coming back inside and rearranging tables and chairs for themselves. There was one other server on the schedule for the afternoon, Lisa, otherwise referred to as Leave Early Lisa. Well, not by anyone really except for Samuel. He kept that name to himself and his parents when he told them stories about work. Leave Early Lisa was notorious for calling off the morning of, coming in late, not feeling well, and needing to leave or coming in incredibly early so that if anyone asked if they needed the evening off, she would be asked first. Today, Lisa was unable to work because her dead grandma was dying yet again in the nursing home and she needed to take her dog to visit her one last time. With deepest sympathy, Lisa, never share too much. People might pay attention. The bartender ended up calling off as well, more than likely for a more legitimate reason. 
Samuel was hyping himself up for the day despite the lonely working conditions. After all, he did say he, it was going to be a good day. Just as expected, it got really busy. There was never a moment where he could be still. No time to drink, eat, go to the bathroom. There was hardly enough time to even blink. He had tables inside and outside, but was successfully tending to each, schmoozing his customers and imitating his old self in front of the other staff. He made a turnaround with the 12 uh, ladies at large table. Old people in large groups can appreciate witty humor. They dished him out some attitude, and he was able to mirror it in a sarcastic way back that eventually every chip he made to their table, he had them all laughing before he walked away. In one of his busiest moments, though, the table of twelve began unwrapping presents. It was one of the ladies' birthdays. Samuel used that as a window to focus solely on all his other tables and get some of them turned over and cashed out. All of a sudden, a loud uproar of laughter came from their table. He didn't have time to inspect now, so he rushed by, hardly making a glance from across the room. His next time passing through, though, he noticed his manager over at the table looking as though she was scolding them all like a bunch of children. They were all quiet after that. Samuel eventually cashed them all out, too. Promptly upon their exit from the restaurant, he went over to inspect his earnings from the obnoxious bunch, only to find a single dollar bill. He was perplexed. He hurried out to catch one of them for an explanation. Dorothy! Dorothy, wait! He said, jogging to her in a parking lot. She stopped to turn and face him. Did I, did I do something wrong? He asked innocently. Yeah, you had an attitude the entire time, young man she replied. And thanks for tattling on us about the dildo. Whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. How long was he away from their table? I have no clue what you're talking about, he said. Yeah, okay, she said with a sarcastic smirk. Wait, he said before she could turn off and leave. I really am sorry if you thought I had an attitude with you. I thought we were getting along and laughing together. Well, now I have no clue what you're talking about, she said, smirking again. Well, I really am sorry, he reiterated. I hope I can redeem myself next time you're here and I take care of you all. He really hoped he would never have to take care of them ever again, actually. Well, you got a dollar. That's the best we could do for you, she said, waving her hand at him and walking away. He went back inside to tell his manager... What were you doing out in the parking lot? She asked as he approached her. All I got from that whole table was a dollar. She blamed me for tattling on them for having a, a dildo? Did they have a dildo at the table? Yeah, she said, right in the middle. They were laughing too loud and being immature. It is what it is, but there are children at the table next to theirs. That's inappropriate. Oh. Samuel replied softly. There wasn't much to say. He did his job, his manager did hers, and in the end, the entitled customers didn't suffer. Samuel did. I'm sorry that's all they left you, she said. That's all she could say. That's all she could do. Samuel's income was solely reliant on tips. 
The entirety of his $4 server wage went towards paying his employment tax. It wasn't just a blow to his bank account. It really put a damper on his ego that he really tried so hard to build up for the day. If you don't need all of us tonight, do you think I could go home? He asked. Absolutely, she said. I definitely won't need all of you. Whenever you get caught up in the midday list, you can just go. Samuel wanted to stop at the 24-hour gym in town. Getting a gym membership and working on fitness seemed like a thing people do when they get dumped. He needed something to take his frustrations out on, and it'd be another thing to help him stick to a routine. He stayed right after he got all signed up. It was a small place, but it looked like it never really got crowded. He liked that. The thought alone of trying to go to the gym seemed intimidating. He looked up some YouTube videos and tried out whatever workout seemed the most doable. Eventually, he put his phone down and did his own thing. He found exercising to be kind of like a form of meditation. He wasn't thinking about anything else, just being in the moment and doing the exercises. It was dark out by the time he left. He, he had unintentionally spent a few hours at the gym. He drove home in silence again. His mind seemed a little more relaxed than usual. A fog had settled over the lake. When he got home, he went to his favorite spot on the hill in the high grass. He couldn't see anything below the fog, but he wanted to get closer. Samuel crept over the edge to try to find some ground below, but the dew on the grass made him lose his footing, and he fell, sliding down the slick ground until he reached the bottom. He found himself standing on an old break wall. He'd stood up top so many times, but never knew it was there because it was hidden. The view from there was even better. He was right in line with the fog that sat over the lake. The stars and moon shone brightly from above. He felt like he was standing in heaven at night. Samuel had just accidentally discovered his new favorite place. He walked back home and felt his phone vibrate a few times. He didn't want to check it. If it was Delaney, he didn't want to be tempted to respond too fast. If it was anyone else, it was also probably best he didn't respond right away. He took his shoes off at the foot of the stairs in the garage and walked inside. Samuel put on some slippers to go down to the basement to bring up the load of laundry in the dryer. The cat's litter box was in the back of the basement but they still managed to get little sandy remnants everywhere down there. Samuel washed, dried, folded, and put away all the laundry, hers too, until there was none left to do. It was almost 2 a.m. by the time he finished. He laid in bed scrolling through social media when he began getting more posts sent to him from Delaney. This was unusual because Delaney never stayed up this late. Like, ever. He began reacting to them commenting back. He was confused why she was up, but it was nice not being the only one awake. He remembered he forgot to shower after the gym. It was probably best to do so, not only for good hygiene, but to push through his desire to just lay down and wallow. After he got out, he looked at his phone to find more Instagram posts and TikToks from Delaney, but there was a notification on Facebook Messenger too. The profile icon was a picture of someone 
he didn't recognize. Someone named Liz. He did not know anyone by the full name, but he opened it anyway. His eyes widened, his heart sank, and began beating fast and hard. The message read plainly across his screen. Your wife is a fucking whore.